Hi, I'm Judy Frazier, president and founder of We The Kids. We The Kids puts God back into America's history. Listening to We The Kids radio show will inspire you and your kids to have a positive American identity, clear direction, and a powerful purpose for your life. Thank you for listening. Welcome to We The Kids Radio Show for kids from 8 to 108. I am Arch Hunter, a father, a husband, and an historian. And I'm Lydia Nuttall, a mom and executive board member for We The Kids and author of Forgotten American Stories, Celebrating America's Constitution. And later on in the show, we're going to hear from the We The Kids Liberty Players. The mission of We The Kids is to put God back into America's stories to help American kids be proud to be an American, to love and defend America's Constitution, and learn the principles of freedom that establish unprecedented freedom in our country so that they can preserve freedom in America. And that is so important. That's why we're doing this show. So we're glad you're listening. And today, our forgotten American story is, what are the stories behind the Statue of Liberty? On an earlier show, why did your ancestors come to America? Your own parents, your grandparents, or great or great-great-grandparents. If they did not come here by choice, then why did they stay in America? They came to America for a new opportunity, to work, to get ahead, to prosper, to get an education, to get out of poverty to be able to adequately provide for their family with food, shelter, clothing, to own their own property and land and house and furnishing, to be able to walk down the streets of America without fear, to start their own businesses, to escape civil unrest and needless wars where they would never be benefited, and to experience religious and political freedom. This is the American dream. So as we begin our show today, the Statue of Liberty. So Lydia, How did we get the Statue of Liberty? Well, the story behind the Statue of Liberty is something I never learned in school and learned as an adult. And I love the story and teaching it to kids because it's about kids. It's because of our youth, the youth and the kids in France and the kids in America in addition to adults, help contribute the funds necessary and raise the funds necessary to create the Statue of Liberty. The kids in France did that, and the kids in America raised the funds to help create the pedestal that the Statue of Liberty stands on. So it's an amazing story of how we can all make a difference just in our own sphere of influence, whether we're a teenager or a child or just one man, one woman, whether we're old or young, rich or poor, we can all make a difference. And that's why I love the story of the Statue of Liberty. So it starts in the late 1700s. And I know you were just a young whippersnapper back then, Arch. (laughs) I was in high school. 
Yeah, yeah, you were. So in the late 1700s, the citizens of America and France were both suffering from the oppressions of tyrannical governments. And tyranny is not a word that we typically hear these days, but tyranny basically means ruling arbitrarily, you know, making random rules and random laws based on whatever the ruler wants to do, thinks is right or whatever. And so both France and America had governments that were tyrannical. And the citizens of both our countries were fervently wanting freedom and liberty for our people. So as a result, both countries, America and France, experienced revolutions. And thankfully, because France in the latter part of the Revolutionary War in America, this would be in the late 1700s, they came to our rescue. They came to America's rescue and were able to help us as Americans win our independence from Great Britain they were ruling over us in a very tyrannical way, taking away so many of our rights. And we were able to establish a stable Republican form of government. Now, Republican in this sense does not mean the party, the Republican Party and the Democrat Party. It doesn't mean that. It means it's a form of government. It's a representative form of government. We're a republic. So in a republic, citizens elect representatives to make decisions on our behalf. It's different from a monarchy, a king, because that's how we in America used to be ruled by the king of Great Britain. And the people of France were written by a monarch also. And often in a monarchy, the king makes all the rules. Whatever makes sense to him, that's what he does. He doesn't consult necessarily the people. He may consult some close friends that are in his little group of rulers. But for us, We have a republic. We elect representatives that are supposed to make decisions on our behalf and to prevent our government from becoming tyrannical in the future. The American people ratified our written constitution in 1788. And what makes the Constitution important, and I'm telling you all this because it's good background for the Statue of Liberty. So what makes the Constitution important is when we elect these representatives back then and now, they don't have absolute power like a king would have. Their power is held in check by the rules, the written rules that are found in the United States Constitution. And all of our representatives take an oath promising to support and obey and defend the United States Constitution before they take office and service. So that's the kind of government that America was able to establish after we had our revolution and said, no, thank you, King George III. We no longer want to be ruled by you. We want to be ruled by we the people, by we the people's rules. And here they are. Here's our United States Constitution. And we want a Republican form of government. Unfortunately, the French had a revolution also, but it did not result in peace and in an awesome United States Constitution in a representative form of government. Instead, it resulted in decades of government that promoted horrible violence, bloody, you know, bloody, terrible war, social unrest. And there were so many Frenchmen that wanted the revered American model of a republic. And so after studying our United States Constitution, a French patriot named Edouard de la Boule, and I'm sorry, those of you that speak French, I don't. And so I'm probably slaughtering his name, but his name was Edouard. I know that much. And his last name was de la Boule dedicated his writings and his speeches to an impassioned theme. And that was liberty for the people of France. 
And so he hosted a dinner party in 1865 and invited really close friends and prominent people that were also impassioned about this theme of liberty for the people of France. And they discussed gifting to the American people a monument that would represent liberty. And they wanted this monument to be ready in time to celebrate the 100th anniversary of America's independence. And they hoped that it would cement the bond of friendship between America and France and recognize the Frenchmen who sacrificed their lives for the beliefs in the unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness that America's Declaration of Independence talked about. And so that's what the purpose was of this dinner party. Okay, how can we gift to the American people something that would represent liberty and bring our two countries together? Because we helped you guys win your independence and establish a Republican form of government. And that's what we want, too. And we want to be friends and we hope to see liberty for all people. So that was the purpose of the dinner party put on by Edouard de la Boulay. And what's amazing to me is I didn't really realize, Arch, how many French men died here on American soil at the tail end of the Revolutionary War, fighting for our independence, hoping that it would then bless them in some way in their future with independence and a Republican form of government also. Have you been to Yorktown? I'm sure you have. I've been at Yorktown many, many times. (laughs) And you've seen, and so this is something new to me too. When I was there last summer with my daughter, who was 14 at the time, she and I went to Yorktown and visited the grave sites or the places on that land where the French fought and many bled and died on our behalf as Americans. And it's a very, I don't know, to me, it was a very sacred feel there. Did you feel that too when you're there? Yes, it's very sombering, it's very sacred, it's very quiet now, but as many times as I've been there, Lydia, when you go there, you know that something extremely important happened at that site. And that's something I never, maybe I was taught that in school, but I, you know... Maybe I had my mind on the boy sitting across from me or whatever and how cute he was. Somehow all that just kind of went over my head. But just being there, it does have a special feel. And my life was changed by being there and learning about those French that died on on our behalf so that we could be free. I just love that. And I love being there. So back to the dinner party, there was a man there named Frederick Bartholdi, and he was a passionate patriot. He was also a very well-known and talented French sculptor, and he decided that he would volunteer his skills, dedicate his skills and his talents to create the Statue of Liberty. Now, at the time, they didn't know it was going to be the Statue of Liberty that we have today, but at least he dedicated himself to creating something that would represent liberty for the people of France and America and of all people. And so the American leaders agreed to raise the funds to create and build the huge, massive pedestal on which Lady Liberty would stand. And that pedestal had to complement the Statue of Liberty's scale. She's 151 feet tall. That's huge. And also be able to anchor her firmly to the ground. So it was kind of a joint cool project that combined both countries' efforts to produce a monument 
really for the world. And so it took 10 years. This is what's amazing. When you learn the story of how it's a big, huge goal, right? You know, come up, use both countries and try to come up with this statue that would represent liberty. You know, what's it going to look like? And where are we going to get the funds? And who's going to make it? And how will we ship it to America? And, you know, on and on and on. It could totally, something like that, when you set that kind of a big goal, that's enough to sometimes make you just not even want to get, get up out of bed. You know, pull the covers and the sheets over my head, draw the blinds. It's too much. I'm overwhelmed. Anxiety. But this is what's awesome about the story is Frederick Bartoli broke down this goal in little bites, in little goals. And he set little goals for himself. And this is a good lesson for us all to remember when we want to achieve something big, to break it down in little goals. Because if we start feeling anxiety, it's probably because we don't have it broken down in enough little goals that are more manageable and doable. And so the first thing was the French people needed to raise the money for the creation of the Statue of Liberty. And within five years, they raised it. They raised $600,000. And this is in $1880. And we're able to start the Statue of Liberty. And here's what's cool. The funds were donated primarily by the wealthy at banquets and at an opera where the artists performed a cantata named Liberty. It was written by a famous composer, and they donated the proceeds to the statue. Famous artists donated their funds from the sale of their paintings. Frederick Bartoli signed replicas of the statue once he knew what he wanted to make. He signed replicas of the statue and then donated that money to the cause. And then this is what's awesome. 181,000 small towns and cities and thousands of school children and adults contributed whatever amount they could and helped raise the necessary funds with puppet shows, carnivals, fairs, and contests. So you could just see all these kids getting involved too, and I love that part. Now, that's what's going on in France. Meantime, in America, we needed to get our act together and start earning money. And so we started going to the rich people to help get them excited about this project and to donate money. And at one point, and this is almost embarrassing to say, but the Statue of Liberty was actually finished and ready to pack up and, and ship to America. And we realized oh, we ran out of funds for the pedestal. We don't we don't have any more money. And we needed an extra $100,000 to complete the $270,000 project. And again, that's in $1880. And it looked like the, okay, here comes the Statue of Liberty across the Atlantic Ocean, and we have no place to put her because the pedestal isn't done, and we don't have enough money to finish it. So enter the stage, Joseph Pulitzer. He was the owner and publisher of The World. It was a daily New York newspaper. He was an immigrant from Hungary who came to America when he was 17, and he appreciated the values that Liberty gave to him, and he was really discouraged by the lack of financial donations from the wealthy in America. So, beginning in 1885, while the French are packaging up, taking apart the Statue of Liberty, packing her up, and getting her ready to ship over, he started encouraging the American people, and this is his own words, quote, Let us not wait for the millionaires. Give something, however little. We will publish the name of every giver, no matter how small the some and so that's what he did so in addition to publishing those letters that accompanied the donations there were letters such as I'm, I'm going to quote here i am a young man of foreign birth and have seen enough of monarchical governments to appreciate the blessings of this republic and there was a monetary donation from this young man and then this one was so cute 
I am a little girl, only six years old, and have 25 cents in my savings bank, which I send to help build the pedestal. And so pretty soon dollars and pennies start coming in to the world and the newspaper company that Joseph Pulitzer was the owner of and, and publisher of. And they were coming in from working men and women, the elderly, the poor, immigrants, uh, people that had been there for a long, long time, as well as children. And I love this part of the story. There are 12 schools in New Jersey who worked together and raised $100. Again, don't forget, this is in 1880s currencies. You know, maybe it would be $1,000, and that's a huge accomplishment. A kindergarten class in Iowa sent in a dollar thirty-five. In New York, an office boy wrote a letter and sent in a nickel. And within five months, this is what's amazing. Within five months, the hundred thousand dollars that was needed to complete the pedestal was raised by more than a hundred and twenty thousand contributors. So I did the math, and it's kind of easy math. But when you figure that all out, most of those contributions were less than a dollar. And what's really cool to finalize the story is when the pedestal was completed here in America in April of 1886, the workmen sprinkled coins mm. into the mortar as a reminder that 120,000 gifts that were mostly under a dollar made it all possible for America to have the pedestal built and ready so that when the Statue of Liberty came on the ship, they were able to disassemble her and put her together and place her on top of the pedestal. Ta-da! What do you think of that story, so, Art? Lydia, at the beginning, you were talking about we have a republic, a democratic republic, and it's a representational government of the people. You just gave us a great story of the Statue of Liberty and how we the people were so important in making the Statue of Liberty, in getting the Statue of Liberty here, and establishing the Statue of Liberty. And, and that's, you know, I, I read that a few weeks ago, how the Statue of Liberty was such a beautiful example of we the people. Absolutely. It is. It, we the people. I know really, you could just say we the people of the world, or, or at least of France and of America at the time. But now it represents something that all the people around the world love, but not everybody knows right. and lives in, and that's liberty. So yeah. it's a very special story, and I love it. So thanks for asking me that question and giving me the opportunity to share that story. And when you were talking about the American Revolution, not only did the French send many soldiers here, but through our revolution, they sent many officers and generals to help us create and help us maintain an army to be able to fight for our freedom. And the French Revolution was a tragedy and a terrible revolution, and ours was a successful revolution. And the French were trying to encourage their citizens and their countrymen to begin and to have a government like ours, as they gave us the Statue of Liberty. Let me quote one of our founding fathers, Lydia, and then please comment on this. It's from Benjamin Franklin. He says, where liberty dwells, there is my country. Oh, I love that. Where liberty dwells, there is my country. He just wanted to live in liberty, don't we all? <laughs> and so he would go, it shows me, he would go wherever liberty was. 
And thankfully, he was a huge instrument, I believe, in the hands of God to help establish liberty in our country. In fact, I believe, and you tell me because you're the historian, even more than I am since you taught it in school, he was over in France building a good relationship with France and was instrumental in having France come to our aid. Am I right on that? Yes. Benjamin Franklin was in Europe for 14 years, Lydia. Wow. Uh, trying to get support for our revolution, trying to raise funds for our revolution, and then ultimately getting to the place where he finally got the British to sign the peace treaty so that we could have all the British soldiers finally out of our country. So Franklin was there 14 years. Wow. Well, my hat is off to him. I'm grateful for the work that he did. And Franklin thought it was very important, and all of our founding fathers, where we hear the phrase, taxation without representation is tyranny. The emphasis, it's all in what we were talking about, that to them, what was most important was not the taxation. It was the lack of representation. And therefore, they wanted to create a democratic republic, which this is why they fought the revolution. Yes. Thanks for that refresher. It, it kind of, hopefully that pulls everything together, helps us all connect the dots better. So we invite everyone from 8 to 108 to please come and join and listen to We the Kids radio show to hear more forgotten stories. Learn the principles of freedom that establish unprecedented freedom in America so that we can all, whether we're 8 or to 108, preserve our freedom. Something to ponder for all of our listeners. What can you do to make a difference for good in your family, in your neighborhood, in your school, in your workplace, and in your community? And we also invite you to check out the We the Kids website. It's wethekids.us for additional stories, insights, and activities you can do with your kids to help them be proud to be American and to love and defend America's Constitution. You can also purchase Forgotten American Stories Celebrating America's Constitution on the wethekids.us website or on forgottenamericanstories.org. And we want to thank you for supporting We the Kids. So we now want to see what the We the Kids Liberty Players are up to. We're the We the Kids Liberty Players. Hi, kids. I'm Daniel, one of the We the Kids Liberty Players. Last week, Liberty Players Jack and Henry talked to Ulysses S. Grant about his experiences during the Civil War and the outcome of the battles. They were so intrigued that they went back home to read more about the famous General Grant and his part in the Civil War in the book they had been studying, The American Minute a history book by historian William Federer. Here's what they're reading. In 1837, Lee had been in St. Louis supervising the Army Corps of Engineers to make the Mississippi River navigable. Prior to the era of railroads, rivers were the only means of transporting large amounts of grain and goods to ports. The Mississippi's changing currents left deposits of sediment silting up St. Louis's access to the river. Look! The boys are with General Grant again now. Whoa, hello, boys. It is good to see you again. It's great to see you too, General Grant. We're so excited that you've come back again. We would like to continue our talks. Well, slow down just a little bit. Uh, both of you sit here with me, and I'll answer a few of your questions. 
We were just reading about General Robert E. Lee being in St. Louis supervising the Army Corps of Engineers to make the Mississippi River navigable. Can you tell us more? Well, about General Lee and the engineering in the Army Corps of Engineers, he was instrumental in the building of a number of military installations around the country, from St. Louis to the Riverwalk in San Antonio, Texas, to forts along the Florida coast, both on the Atlantic and the Gulf side. So General Lee, a more junior officer at that time, Captain Lee, was everywhere in America building things for the Army Corps of Engineers. You were appointed as Brigadier General and sent to Baducah, Kentucky. Later, you marched to Belmont, Kentucky, where your troops secured the battle. Then you were sent to Fort Henry and Fort Donelson. Why were they important to the Union? Those early battles were very important to the Union effort. But let me make a correction. It's Belmont, Missouri, not Belmont, Kentucky. But that's a common error that people make. Belmont, Missouri was the first battle for me in which I actually commanded troops in combat. So as you might well imagine, boys, it was huge for me. It was important to the United States because it was one of the early demonstrations for us to show the Confederacy that we would indeed fight. The battles for Paducah, there really wasn't a battle there. I marched into Paducah, Kentucky and secured it so the Confederates would not get Columbus, Kentucky and Paducah, Kentucky, both on a major river. So that was why Paducah was important. Fort Henry and Fort Donelson, they were important because, first of all, they secured for the United States navigation of the Tennessee River and the Cumberland River. And the Tennessee River allowed us to go all the way into eastern Alabama and very close to Chattanooga. And the Cumberland River was important because we were able to go straight into Nashville, Tennessee, which it flows into, and the first Confederate capital fell in the Civil War, and it stayed in federal hands for the rest of the war. It was also a huge depot for the transfer of troops and materials. Fort Donaldson was important as well because I took the surrender of an entire army, 17,000 Confederates. So only about 10 months into the war, from April of 61 to February of 62, we now have captured and taken out of the field an entire Confederate army. It was the first major victory for the United States in the Civil War. So that's why those particular places and battles were important to me and to the country as well. Jack? Henry? Jack? Henry? Where are you boys? It's time to come home. General, it's our mother. We have to go home now. But can we talk again soon? We certainly can. You boys run along home. I mustn't keep your mother worrying. I'll be right here when you both come back and want to talk some more. Thanks, General. Thanks, General. See you soon. Jack and Henry are so excited they have drifted back in time to meet General Ulysses S. Grant and can hardly wait until they meet again. 
Their heads are full of questions to ask the general. Please return for the next episode to learn more about General Grant and the Civil War. To read more about General Grant, go to wethekids.us. Under History Lesson, Ulysses S. Grant, Union General and 18th President. Hold fast to the Bible as the sheet anchor of your liberties. Kids, please come back next week when we ask General Grant more questions about the Civil War. Until then, goodbye. We want to invite everyone from 8 to 108 to listen and please join us on We The Kids radio show and to hear more forgotten stories. Learn the principles of freedom that establish unprecedented freedom in America so that we can all, whether we're 8 or 108, preserve our freedom. 